The world is amazing. The world is mysterious. I just uh, I heard about this Russian uh, president who came over here. This is a joke, in case you're wondering. <laughs> he came over here to this country, and uh, they were taking him around, you know, touring some of the facilities to impress him. And uh, they were at some kind of a major computer place. And they said, this is our greatest, most wonderful computer. This is the most... Uh, uh, advanced computer we have in this whole country. Ask it any question you want. So the Russian guy says, um, okay, who will be the dominant world power 100 years from now? And uh, the computer man, it just whirled and wind around for a while. Finally, it spits out a, a, a paper and the Russian guy picks it up and he looks at it and he looks at it and the American can't quite stand it and he said, uh, um, What's it say? What's it say? And the Russian said, I, I don't know. It's written in Chinese. <laughs> the world is, we don't know. We have no idea. That's why we can trust Christ and be believers. Um, mysteries. In Proverbs 30, if you have your Bible and would turn there, I want over the next couple of weeks to, to spend time on a couple very sort of obscure phrases in Proverbs chapter 30. It says they are sayings of a guy named Agur. So in other words, Solomon didn't write these particular riddles or Proverbs down. Some other guy did. And uh, I, I want to notice before I get down towards the end of the chapter where he goes into these little couplets or this poetry of three and four and three and four, um, I want you to just notice where he's coming from. He says at the beginning of chapter 30, I am the most, verse two, I am the most ignorant of men. And he says about God, and he's talking specifically about God, I don't have a man's understanding, I've not learned wisdom, I don't have knowledge of the Holy One. In fact, verse four, which is the, the real cr crucial question, he says, I don't know how anybody can have a knowledge of, of God. What are you going to do, shoot a rocket up into space and come back and say, oh, we know all about him. He says, who's going up there and come down and knows any more than they did? Um, and he says at the end of verse 4, tell me if you know. And every time I read that, I just my heart just kind of does a little bit of a seizure and I think, how many people and how many times in my own life have, we, have I and how many times have you looked up and we need to know something about the future or we wonder what God's up to or why did God allow this to happen or this mystery? And we say, just tell me if you know. Do you know? Do you know? Tell me if you know. Like, like I'm desperate here for understanding about God. And, you know, we live in a day today, I'm going off my topic, but I'll come back to it. We live in a day today where we can just almost know anything we want. I was listening to a, recently a, a thing about DNA, and now they have touch DNA. You touch a surface and you've done left behind a couple cells, and they can gobble it up and tell you who you are and when you were there. It's called touch DNA. You don't have to hold something. We're not talking about fingerprints, just touching. And they can find you. 
We have these satellites that watch us. We have, you know, amazing computer programs and facial recognition, and artificial intelligence, and reverse engineering, and everything you can imagine. Imagine that if you ask a question, I mean, you do this every day, probably. You just hold up your phone and say, "Where is Antarctica?" And we, it's not hard for us to know something today because there's so many amazing sources of knowledge at our fingertips. And yet, not a single thing you can Google can tell you about God. And this is what Agur was hungry for. <laughs> he said, you know, you can go up and you can come back down and you can search here and there, but um, you're only going to know something about God if God talks to you. If God himself tells you. In fact, in verse 5, he says... We've got to have a word from God. And in verse 6, I believe, he says, and it can't be fake. Don't, be, uh, don't try to manipulate information from God. Don't try to fictionalize or fantasize and tell me some lie and say, well, this is what heaven's going to be like or this is how you're going to be able to uh, achieve union or unity with God. He said, I don't, I don't want anything that's not the truth. Because if you say lies about God, if, you, if, you, if, you, if somebody says, tell me if you know, and you tell them a bunch of nonsense, he says, God's going to be angry with you. Not only have you lied to them, but God is going to be angry with you for misrepresenting him. He's given you the truth. In fact, I love this, this question in, in verse 4. He says, does God have a son? What's his name? Tell me if you know. So he, he starts out by just confessing the fact that he, he's just a hungry soul for knowledge about the Lord. And he doesn't know a lot of things, but he has a lot of questions. And then as he goes on through that chapter, um, I'm going to actually go down to verse 17, 18, or 18 and 19. Where he uses these little Hebrew couplets. That are, uh, uh, that are just a form of poetry. It means nothing to us. It's no different in the world than if we would say, hey, there's three or four things I want to discuss with you. It may actually be five or six. It really doesn't matter. The numbers aren't critical. It's just a way of saying uh, there's some issues or there's some questions or there's some things that I wish, you know, there's three or four things I'd love to have an answer for. And this is the first one in verse 17 or 18. Um, verse 17 or 18. And I'm just going to read it. I, I could read this, these two verses endlessly because of the images they put in my mind and the, the mysteries that they raise. Verse 18. There are three things that are too amazing for me. Four that I do not understand. Number one, the way of an eagle in the sky. The way. What does he mean by that? The way of the eagle in the sky. The way of a snake on a rock. Hmm. The way of a ship out on the high seas. I can't fathom it. It's too amazing for me to understand. The way of a man with a maiden. 
the fact that two people can meet and fall in love. I can't fathom it. I can't explain it. Now, I'm going to just take a moment and, and, and kind of set up a little bit about this three and four stuff. It's poetry, and he's simply saying, here's, a, here's an observation. It's not critical. It's not something to worry about, the three and the four thing. It's used several places. It's used other places in Scripture. Um, it's just a, a, a thought. And we can read it and say, oh, I wonder what these three or four things have in common. And the funny part is that Tim could read it and get one idea. Jan could read it and get another idea. Um, what's your name? <laughs> Jack could read it and get another idea. And I could read it. And so we have to ask ourselves as interpreters and readers, oh, what does he mean by the way of the eagle or the ship? There may be more than one answer. And if you have a different answer than I do, then your, imp your implication or interpretation or application is going to be a little different than mine. It's okay. It's just the way he throws it out there. And, and so um, my point is these are just a, a, a statement or a snapshot of something that he's kind of lumping together as a principle of wisdom. And so... Just to give you an example of what I'm talking about, when I say, well, maybe there's different ways of the eagle, or there's different things that he's thinking about or that you would think about. I'm just giving an example. So you could say, oh, I know what these are. These are items that they leave no trail behind them. This is just an, I just made this up. This is just an illustration. So if you see an eagle fly through the sky, and then you look a second later, and you can't tell where it flew, didn't leave a track or a trace or a trail. A deer or a dog, if they walk, they're going to leave paw prints or hoof prints. You, you can't see where an eagle just flew. You can't tell or on a rock that a snake just crawled across it. You can't look at the water of the ocean and know that a boat just went through. It's, it's just possibly one of the things that he's talking about. That there's things that I don't understand how they can pass through our life and we don't even know they were there. Because they don't leave anything behind. You could say, maybe these are items that stand out against a background. So when you look up there, man, I saw two eagles two days ago coming home from Wayne's Bar. They are just this side of Zollinger. There was two of them down low, wheeling around. And there was a, there was a little red-tailed hawk down below them. And he was, staying, he was staying out of their way. You can't miss them. You look out at the water. If there's a boat there, I mean, it just leaps out against the background. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's sort of things like, you know, I think about two people in a relationship of, of, of love, of, of the way of a man with a maiden, the, the mysterious forming of a relationship. It don't happen overnight. It grows slowly. A snake kind of slowly moves along. A boat, they don't just go, Whoop! but they just kind of, this was in the ancient times when they were sailboats. So maybe something like this. Who knows? I want to I talk today a little bit about this last one. Because when he says the way of the eagle, he, he, he tweaks that by saying, it's too amazing for me. It's beyond my comprehension. It's mysterious. So it seems to me like he's talking about the fact that an eagle can fly in the air. That a snake with no legs actually can move across a surface. Or that a boat that weighs thousands of tons can actually float in the water. How can this be? That it's, it's, it's more the mystery of the fact that these 
two, these things can happen. Uh, a, a young man and a young woman with very different agendas and very different experiences and very different backgrounds and can meet and end up saying, I am happy to surrender the rest of my life to you. How can that be? How could love happen? He says, I don't understand it. It's a mystery to me. And so that's the angle that I'm going to take. I'm not going to talk about things that go slow or whatever. I want to talk about this. It's amazing, he said, it's beyond my understanding how can it happen. So my question here is, okay, why are mysteries amazing? What does this mean for our life? And I want to just mention a couple of things. First of all, mysteries humble us. There is no doubt that this is one of the, uh, the, most, the first lessons that we learn about this awesome planet or uh, something as complex as relationships or anything else. The, the many, many mysteries in the world of nature that remind us that there are things out here that we don't know, maybe we never will know. For thousands of years now, mankind has attacked the world trying to comprehend it, you know, and we've built up a lot of knowledge and we know way more than, than we used to. Um, I was talking with Sally Wegley earlier this week in the hospital and I said, you know, Sally, I remember my father saying to me that when he was a kid, if somebody got pneumonia, they would be dead within a couple of days. It was a death sentence. There were no cure for it. And it was just simply, and how far we've advanced in our knowledge with antibiotics and so forth. And, and so um, we've come a long way. And yet, at the same time, there's still a millions of things that we don't know. And so these mysteries that we come on, they challenge us. Oh, maybe David's not as big and bad and bright as he thought he was. Maybe I'm not the king of the universe as I seem to think some moments. I can't even explain why this smells like this or how this happened like this. or How can a boat float? You see what I'm saying? And so logically... When you come across something that you've never seen or understood or you have no knowledge of where it's going or how it's going to end up, logically, this can only take you one of two directions. When you encounter a mystery, this is why I'm saying it, it humbles you. When you encounter a mystery, I don't care if it is just looking up and seeing a bird fly and say, I don't even understand how it, could, how it can do this. Even if it's that simple. The unknown part, it's going to leave you afraid because maybe what if something that I don't know or understand is wrong or bad or evil or what if it turns against me? I don't know how to control this. That's the fearful side. It's either going to take you to fear many primitive or animistic religions in the world operate this way. I don't know what God wants. I don't know what God is like. I'm scared to death of God, so I'm going to cut my chicken's throat and, and let my chicken bleed around the courtyard and do all these mumbo-jumbo sacrificial things. Maybe God will be impressed. Because I don't know. There's a lot of mysteries, and I don't, I don't know which God I'm going to encounter today. 
this kind of thing. It's either going to lead you to fear or you're going to say, I don't understand how an eagle could fly. But if God could make an eagle and make an air and make air and make it so that an object that's heavier than air can float in the air, if he can do that, then I'm not going to worry about a thing. He's going to take care of me. He's going to supply my needs. If he can create and allow these mysterious forces to operate, then he's got my back. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to trust him when I don't understand the mystery. It's going to take you one or two. That's why I'm saying it's going to humble you either way. The mystery. Here's a passage in Job. He says, can you fathom the mysteries of God? What can you do? They're deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? They're measures longer than the earth and wider than the sea. You're either going to be afraid or you're going to trust. There's really not to, there's really no middle alternative there. Uh, if God could think it up, if God could figure out how to create a snake that could glide along and he doesn't even have a leg, he doesn't have legs and he can climb. I've seen snakes climb trees, I'm sure some of you have. Like, how in the world can a snake climb a tree? I'm just like Agur, I have no idea. But this one, you know, this, this pushes me either to be afraid of this unknown force or to embrace God. Here's King David, Psalm 8. His take on it, or here's what he said. Look, I, could, I consider the heavens and I look up. I see these planets out here, these glowing stars, moons. I, I realize that there's a vastness that I cannot comprehend. That's a mystery to me. I don't know what's out there. I don't know how far it goes. It humbles me. And David says, when I look out and I see all this mysterious stuff, I say, wow, I wonder, I wonder if anybody knows I'm down here. What is man? How could I be noticed among all of the billions of the stars and the miles and light years? And yet, David concludes that, indeed, the answer to that riddle or that mystery is that this stuff is all for his benefit, and that the mysteries of earth are put here to sustain his life, and God actually has elevated us over it because of giving us an image of his, a mind. So David says, yet you've made me ruler over the works of your hands, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. So... David is saying, this really humbles me. And I'm simply adding to us this morning that it takes us one way or the other. Mysteries, Agur said, there's three or four things I don't get. And I'm saying, good, it keeps you humble. Secondly, mysteries not only humble us, they help us. And what I mean by that is this. If you had a life that you knew every single thing that had happened and was going to happen, if you had a life that's as flat as a prairie postcard, and there was never a wrinkle, and there was never a ridge, and there was never a hidden fact or a secret or a mystery or an enigma, you would be so bored that you probably wouldn't even grow up. You'd probably just 
Say, take me somewhere where there's things to figure out. Take me somewhere where there's a challenge. I love mysteries. They make my life rich because they, they give me all kinds of things to pursue and investigate. They help us in our lives. Countless individuals have found their calling for their life and their passion for life. Because they looked up at an eagle and they said, how's that, how's that happen? How's that possible? Think of the Wright brothers, for example, and many others like them with the, in the, the era of the, with the reality of flight for us. I mean, they looked at birds. They made all kinds of models of feathers and wing, uh, wind tunnels and all, all kinds of stuff like that. Not only does it give us help us by providing many things for us to personally have an interesting life. But I think beyond that, when you think of the many, many realms where people have prospered our lives and made your, your and my life simple because they were out here pursuing a mystery, trying to investigate, why is this? How could this be? What they discovered was a product or what they discovered was a procedure that leaped civilization forward and brought great health and wealth to many of us because people were out here figuring out mysteries and inventing things and understanding things and just comprehending. And people have spent their whole life just looking at something like a genetic code. And we're the better off for it because Medicines and life. I mean, when you when you think of um, medicine, for example, or electricity, or language, or all kinds of, of things. I, I read about a guy not too long ago. His name was um, Walker, I believe. He was in. This was like eighteen uh, twenties in England, and uh, this guy, his this this dude, he started out after he got out of school. He didn't know really much what he wanted to do, and I'll just tell you a real quick story. He, uh, he became a surgical assistant. And he, this lasted less than a year. He couldn't stand the blood and guts and all this stuff of helping the surgery. He just he couldn't handle it. So he said, I'm done with this. But there was one aspect of helping with surgery that really did intrigue him. That was the medicines, the chemicals that they used, the anesthesia and all these things that they, they used to try to you know, regulate these surgeries. And, and this just kind of clicked with this dude, Walker. His name was Walker. Jo I think maybe John Walker. And he said, uh, I like this. I'm interested. I, I'm not interested in the surgery part of surgery, but I'm interested in the medical part of surgery. That fascinates me. And so he started studying chemistry. And... The more he got involved in chemistry and the more classes that he took, the more excited he got about the mysteries of how this product would relate to that product and so forth. He actually set up a lab in his house and started doing experiments. And one day he had a stick of wood and he's stirring up these different chemicals. Now, oh, I know what. He got interested from the, from the chemical thing. He got interested in explosives. 
because he realized that some chemicals, when you put them together, they explode or they catch on fire or they or whatever. And this kind of this drew him even farther into this. This this, this mystery of how these things co- coincided with each other. So one day he's trying to sort of create an explosive type of situation. He's stirring his things with a stick in his little little bowl, and when he gets done, at the bottom of his stick there was a little bit of his mixture uh, that congealed there, like a little teardrop on the bottom of his stick. And he saw that, and he didn't like it, so he went, he, he said, I, I, want, he, I need to scrape this off. So he goes like this on his concrete floor of his workshop, and he just scrapes this thing, and it bursts into flame. And it was the beginning of the match, the first match. And when you think of, Suddenly, you know, he realized this could be an easy way for humans to start fire, to to get a fire going, something that affected every household at that time. Simple thing that has blessed our world and blessed civilizations over and over because this dude was pursuing a mystery. That's my point. Mysteries help us. Jesus said, look, if you are willing to believe If you're willing to step out into the mystery, there's nothing that you may not find possible before you. Another time, he said to his disciples after his resurrection, you know, you have now seen something, so it's not a mystery to you. The resurrection from the dead, you have taken it in. You have participated in it. But there's people out there that that this is a great mystery to. I had a man say to me just about a year ago, I can never believe, I will never believe that a person could die and rise again from the dead. I cannot believe that. It's too much of a mystery for him. Jesus said, very well, but those people who do step into that mystery, they've not seen, but they have believed, they are blessed. Their life is going to be lived on a different level. Number three. I don't know why this occurred to me when I thought, what is, the, what, is the, what is the application of a mystery? I hadn't really thought about this side of it. But the more I thought about it, the more excited I got. That the things that I experience as a human being in my lifetime that I cannot explain or understand, but I live through them, prepare me for the things yet ahead that I don't understand, but I will live through them. So, for example, death, the greatest mystery of all. None of us know what's on the other side of that. I mean, we have some information given to us in the Bible. But basically, there isn't a person of us here who's died and experienced what all that is, and then you, somehow or other you came back here, and, 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 and that's no longer a mystery to you. That's not the case. But we have watched a snake climb a tree and we say, okay, if God can create a world in which a snake can climb a tree, why can't he create a body and a soul that could be mixed together and then separated and the soul could separate off from the body? Why couldn't he do that? I've seen many other inexplicable things that God has done. And so the mystery on one side that I experience helps prepare me For other mysteries that I will encounter even in the life ahead. Or just the fact of the whole spiritual nature of the relationship with God being applied to my life. There's, you know, these these people up here this morning, these three individuals, read a 
paper called a believer, Christian believer. A belief is something that, in a way, you're accepting because you can't prove it. It's a mystery. But you believe it. Here, here in the New Testament, it says, God's a mystery to us. And Agur says, man, I look up there and I say, I don't get it. How come that bird stays up there? It's too amazing for me. And Paul in Colossians is saying, God's too amazing for me. I, I, I don't, and, and godliness, and he goes on in that passage to talk about, you know, he was, he, was, he was put down here in a body, and he was taken up in spirit, and he was worshipped by angels, and all this stuff that's, whoo, it's just like a, a boat floating, just like a, a huge giant ship floating water. I don't see how, I don't understand it, any of it. You know, Peter in 1 Peter 1 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with the inexpressible joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That's what Peter says, 1 Peter 1. Wow, the mystery of all that. I don't see him. I haven't seen him. And yet I have, I have seen two people fall in love. I've seen a snake move across a surface that I don't see how I could even move on. I've seen, I've seen the wind blow and a ship just go from Africa to Asia. And because I see these things, I become prepared for those things that I cannot see. I believe, I mean, I'm in thinking about this, it'd be impossible to have a relationship with God if I, if I didn't accept a mystery? And how do I accept a mystery if I never encountered a mystery in my life? For me to say I'm a child of God, for me to say God is, is with me every day, God guides me every day, how could, how could I ever enter into that reality if I didn't accept the fact that nothing existed that I couldn't explain. So mysteries prepare me for these. And what I'm trying to say with, and I quit, quit here, is it gives me practice. It gives me discipline for these many other things that I'm not able to understand about the future. Or that I know perhaps only a glimpse of because we have been given information in the scripture. But even that is so minute that there's more mystery than there is revelation. You know what I'd like to do? It's time I need to close. And, and I think rather than sing a closing song, I'd just like to ask us to stand together. Could we, could we read this scripture together? Because this is our ultimate mystery, and yet, amazingly, because of the application of other mysteries in our life and our world, because of the experience of watching a snake crawl across the rock with, with, with no apparent logic to it, 
because of that, I can, I can say about God, even though he lives in an unapproachable place, I can and know that I will be able to and do now access him anyway. This is a mystery. Would you read this with me? God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. O oh Lord, by faith, we commit our lives and our hearts to you today. And by faith, we accept the fact that we cannot approach you or see you, and yet we can speak to you and know that your presence floods our lives. It's as, it's as complicated and it's amazing as a flight of an eagle or the floating of a ship. But we receive it, and these things prepare us for this most important thing, this fellowship with you, our, our great mysterious God who is always over us and above us, and yet we know from your revelation you love us. And so we rest in that. We allow the mystery not to drive us to fear, but to drive us to faith. In Jesus' name and by his name. Amen.